Um, for those over 18, yesterday or at some point uh, prior, you would have voted in the federal election. I could share with you who I voted for, but I won't because our system is set up in a way so that you can keep your vote to yourself. You'll wait in line, state your name and address, receive your two voting papers, walk into state-of-the-art soundproof cardboard reinforced booths, (laughs) you vote, you put it in the box and only you know who you voted for. You don't need to share that information with anyone. Well, in today's reading, Jesus encourages us, his followers, not to share or boast about the righteous things we do. Before we get into that, though, as some of you may be aware, the reading today came uh, from the Sermon on the Mount. It's an excerpt uh, from Jesus' very famous sermon. And I want to take us right back to the start of that sermon in Matthew uh, chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles uh, there, keep them open at Matthew Uh, today. So Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 reads, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Notice that the things Jesus says here in this sermon are directed to his disciples, to people who follow him. The book of Matthew is written for a Jewish audience, people who already consider themselves God's people. To people that know God and claim to be his followers, Jesus lays out his expectations for people. Please hear me say first up that Matthew makes it very clear in his book, right from the beginning. In chapter 1, verse 21, he says, Jesus saves people from their sin. The rest of the Bible emphatically declares that we're saved, or in other words, we get to go to heaven because of Jesus. And that's a gift God gives us. It's not of our own doing. To those who believe in Jesus, we repent of our sins, the slate is wiped clean, and we trust Jesus with every aspect of our lives. So we therefore listen to the instructions that Jesus has about life. So midway through the famous Sermon on the Mount, a sermon where Jesus lays out his expectations and instructions for people who are already saved, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. After saying this, Jesus then introduces us to three uh, acts of righteousness giving to the needy, praying and fasting and most of your Bibles that have those headings. If you were to read all of chapter 6 in one hit, what you'll notice is a pattern. Verse 2, when you pray. Verse 5, when you give to the needy. Verse 16, when you fast. Now surely, given that these three righteous acts are different, Surely then the instruction about them will differ. Like maybe Jesus will say, when you give, use notes, because it's nicer for the guy carrying the bag around. Or or when you pray, start with a friendly greeting. Or when you fast, keep the pantry clean uh, to avoid distractions, clear it out. 
But that's not what Jesus says. That's not the instructions that Jesus gives. For all three righteous acts, he gives the same instruction. Do not be like the hypocrites. Verses 2, 5 and 16, under those headings, all follow the same formula. The hypocrites who announce it with trumpets to be honoured by men. The hypocrites who stand in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. The hypocrites who disfigure their faces to show men. Uh, Let's read chapter 6, verse 2 in its entirety. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, what I find astounding is that Jesus is not even exaggerating the problem. People, more specifically the Pharisees, are bringing their own trumpet into the synagogues and onto the street corners and announcing how wonderful they are and announcing how much they are giving. It says right there in the verse, they gave to be honoured by others. And people would look on and think, wow, that's an impressive amount of money they're giving. And Jesus says, God gives them no reward for their giving. They've received their reward in full. They gave to be praised by others. Praise from others is what they got. There is no further reward. And the same thing was happening when people fasted. They would look downcast and make disfigured faces, making it clear to everyone around them they were fasting, purely to impress others. And the same thing was happening when the hypocrites prayed. Chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. We are told in verse 5 they would stand in very public places, in the synagogues, on the street corners, praying. And the reason they prayed again was so that they would be seen by others. People would walk by, they would hear these prayers and be impressed by the godliness of these men. But it was just all for the praise and glory of men. And it just had nothing to do with praising and glorifying God. Uh, Way back in the Old Testament, in Isaiah, he prophesies about these sorts of people. In chapter 29, verse 13, Isaiah says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now, this is not an image that I came up with, but picture a husband when in public, he, uh, with his wife, he, he, he praises her. He talks about how wonderful she is. He holds her hand. He laughs at her jokes. He talks to her. He shows an interest in her. People on the outside look in and say, wow, look at Tom and and how he treats his wife and loves her and adores her. But the wife is not fooled. Because behind closed doors, he ignores her, shows no interest in her until they are out in public again. This is how the hypocrites are treating God. Now, some of you may even know what it's like to be treated that way, and you are not fooled. And God is not fooled. It's empty. 
It's fake. Or as Jesus puts it, it's hypocritical. Uh, Later on in the book of Matthew, in chapter 15, the Pharisees pull Jesus up on the fact, uh, Jesus and his disciples up on the fact they didn't wash their hands properly according to Jewish custom. And therefore the food they eat would make them unclean. And Jesus very bluntly says to them in the words of Isaiah that he was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from you. God is not fooled by hypocrisy. Hypocrite is a term that Jesus uses to insult the Pharisees more than any other. And to those who recognise God with their lips, but deliver empty, fake deeds, Jesus utters a spine-chilling warning at the end of this Sermon on the Mount. And I can't think of anything worse than Jesus' warning at the end of his sermon becoming a reality. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. We do not want to be hypocrites. But how do we avoid it? Uh, More specifically, in our prayer life, how can we be genuine and not fake? We desire to be people who honour God with our lips and our hearts are close to him. Now you could take these principles that Jesus lays out about prayer and apply them to almost any act of righteousness you partake in. Perhaps you came to church this morning purely to be seen by others. Perhaps in the prayer we just prayed earlier in the service, you bowed your head and closed your eyes, not to actually pray, but just to look like you were praying. There are countless and good godly things that you could be doing but it's all merely for the praise of men. Verse 6 of chapter 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Who sees what, what is done in secret. Go into your room and close the door. Now, I think it's a safe assumption that many there listening to Jesus, they didn't have rooms. We know that Jesus and his disciples, they wandered around for about three years. He didn't have a home, let alone a room. So the main idea of this sentence cannot be go into a room and pray. No, the main idea of verse 6 is about praying in secret. Go into your room, close the door. It's a secondary point uh, that I'm going to pick up on in a moment. But we need to see first that verse 6 is about praying to God and God alone. In this case, God is our Father and our Father desires relationship. And any time and effort you put into that relationship reaps benefits and rewards. And in the end, I don't know where your prayer life is. Maybe you pray often in public at Bible study, in church and around the dinner table, which are ways the Bible does instruct us to pray. But if your prayer life consists only of praying in public, praying where others know where that's what you're doing, then you have to ask yourself this very real question. Are you praying to God or are you praying to others? Are you praying to God? In a world of ridiculousness, 
One industry that has received substantial business over the last few years is the fakeation industry. Uh, you may not have heard of this term, uh, but a fakeation is like a real vacation or holiday, except for the fact you don't actually go on a holiday. Instead, you, you pay and send photos online or go into a studio and get some photos professionally photoshopped so that you can give the perception to others, perhaps on social media, that you actually do have this wonderful life and you are enjoying it so much and look at all the wonderful holidays that I'm having. Having a prayer life but not praying to God is as ridiculous as going on a fakeation. Others around you look in and see your prayer life. They may even think more highly of you. But in the end, that's, that's all you get out of it. And what sort of a reward is that? Jesus advises us uh, on the most basic principle of prayer, that is pray to God. The point, of prayer, the point of a holiday is not to impress others, it's to relax and re-energise yourself and enjoy yourself. The point of prayer is to communicate with God. And Jesus is making this process so basic and so easy. In verse 7, we read, And when you pray, do not keep babbling on like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. We're told we don't need to babble on like pagans. Perhaps we may be reminded of a story in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of 1 Kings, when Elijah has a contest with the prophets of Baal to see which God will light a fire first. All day, all day the prophets of Baal come to him, call to, call to him, sorry, and at the end of their prayers and shouts and dances, it says, but there was no response, no one answered, and no one paid attention. We don't need to babble on like the pagans, Jesus says who think they will be heard because of their many words. That's not how it works, Jesus says. The amount of time you pray for is of no importance, and you don't even need to worry if you get the words wrong. Verse 8, God already knows what you need. Can we see that Jesus is trying to uncomplicate prayer? He's telling us this is simple and easy, He's taking it back to its most basic roots. Prayer 101, pray to your heavenly father, pray to God. Uh, one of the megachurch pastors in America, Rick Warren, helpfully describes his prayer life as an ongoing conversation with God. I am paraphrasing, but be it in the car or going for a walk or even in a counselling situation, he says that in his life the lines of communication with God are continually open. Therefore, they're not restricted. And I think that's a really fantastic, uncomplicated, biblical approach to have to prayer. Personally, from when I was a young uh, teenager, I found that idea. It simplified my prayer life. It intensified my relationship with God and my focus on him. But what I would like to personally work on is the secondary point that I mentioned a little earlier. It's the instruction Jesus gives to go into your room and close the door, which insinuates the helpfulness 
in closing out the distractions of the world momentarily to focus not on the things on the outside, but to focus fully on God and to focus on your relationship with him and the things that are important to him. Which is what this prayer that follows is. It's a prayer to God, but it's a focus on the things that are important to him and our role in his world and kingdom. It's a prayer for God. It sounds like an odd turn of phrase, I understand, but the prayer we see is a prayer for God. Let's take a look. Verse 9, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed. Your name be holy, praised, worshipped, honoured, lifted up, reverenced. Your kingdom come, your will be done. God's kingdom and his will are of most importance to him. We are praying for God, his will and his kingdom. And that's what he values most, so we will pray for them to come. And in the process of this prayer, we're also focusing our minds on the day ahead, on the things that are important to God. This is a prayer for God that sets us into action for God. It goes on, give us today our daily bread. It's the most basic of human needs prayed for. If there's other stuff I need, God knows what they are. We've been told that already. He'll sort it out. A prayer for our most basic basic earthly need is followed up by a request for our most basic heavenly need, to be forgiven. And as we receive that forgiveness, we are given a reminder not to be a hypocrite by forgiving others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, even though these requests ultimately do benefit us, it's still a prayer for God. They are prayers for our membership and our role within God's kingdom, that we would be good and faithful kingdom members. It's a reminder of the things in my life that God most values. These are things that are important to God. This is a prayer for God. We are not being glorified or praised by others in the process. In fact, we're being humbled by recognising our own failings in asking for forgiveness and help from temptation. Now compare that prayer to the problem that Jesus presents before that. Hypocrites standing in the most public place. And this prayer that Jesus says is unseen to the one who is unseen. The pagans babbled on when praying, using many words. Now, even if you read this prayer slowly and paused for dramatic effect, it's over in 30 seconds. The hypocrites prayed to be seen. People were were fooled and they were impressed. But God is not fooled. This prayer that Jesus lays out is all about God and the things that are important to him. And it humbly asks for help with the weaknesses that God already knows we need help with. On the 28th of June, uh, 2006, a police report came out of Nigeria over the death of a Nigerian woman. Her story uh, can be found in a number of Voice of the Martyrs publications. 
A mob had beaten her to death according to Sharia law because she was sharing the message of Jesus with some locals. She's simply known as a Nigerian woman because she was beaten beyond any recognition and to this day no family or friends have identified her or claimed of a missing, a missing person that fits this woman's category. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Despite numerous attempts and a number of significant efforts by well-intentioned Christians, this Nigerian woman has not been identified. I don't need to know her name. We don't need to know her name. We don't, know, we don't need to know who she is because our Heavenly Father does. She decided to do her acts of righteousness for God and not for the praise and glory of others. Every act of righteousness done unseen to the one who is unseen is rewarded by God. Can I encourage us this week, uh, whether you're um, young and usually at 7.54 or uh, whether you're an older folk, to start by doing it once. If you're not doing so already, close the door and pray to God. Pray for God and the things that are important to him. Don't tell anyone. Don't share it. Don't status update it. Don't Instagram it. Don't tweet it. Don't subtly weave it into conversations. Don't even let those in your household know. Just you and God. And as hard as you work in all other areas of your Christian life, can I encourage you to work hard at keeping your acts of righteousness between you and your Heavenly Father. Let me pray. Father God, we pray that we would be people uh, that do the things that we do uh, for you. We pray knowing it it's, sounds so simple, but it's so often such a hard challenge. And when we do something good, we so often just want to tell people about it. We pray that we would just trust you with our lives and, and trust your instructions. And, uh, and, and trust the things we do um, to you, Lord God. So we ask these things in your name. Amen.